with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Everybody doing good today? Ready for some word? Thank you, Lord, for the word and the spirit working together. I started sharing with you last week uh, along a certain line, teaching along these lines about life in the spirit. All right, not just life in the flesh, life in the physical world, but life in the spirit. Do you know that you are a spirit? All right, four people know that they are a spirit. <laughs> I know there's always some that don't know, and we're speaking to you too, uh, but there's certainly more than are responsive so far. Uh, let's read this if you have it a Bible apps on your on your phone or your, got the real physical Bible there. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse sixteen reads: Therefore we do not lose heart. Say me either. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Uh, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. Amen. And so we recognize that there are two worlds. There's a spirit world. There's a physical world. And we are instructed to look at the spiritual world or the unseen world. So why are we instructed to look there? Because it doesn't take any instruction to look at the physical world. Our physical bodies uh, lend to that. And so I'm automatically going to look at uh, the physical world, but I can on purpose with intention, intentional spiritual focus and faith, look at a world that I cannot see with my physical eye. And there is, there is an, how many know there is another kind of seeing besides your physical eye? There's a whole other kind of seeing. This is what we want to be involved with. And so there's a world of the seen and the unseen. We should live with a conscious awareness of both of them, both at the same time. There are, of course, extremes in this realm in this discussion and this these things we're talking about extremes is well, one side of it would go like this it's when a person lives uh, a physical life when they live and think and act as if the physical world around them around them is all that there is okay you're in a total ditch and totally blind to half <laughs> right but they live, that's a, that's a total ditch. And you can even be there as a Christian. You can accept the Lord and, and be saved, but still live, you know, like 99.9% .9 of your life is just natural, physical, unaware of spiritual realities. Uh, another extreme then, on the other side of this, is when a person ignores the obvious, right, and they assign a spiritual cause and effect to everything that happened. I mean... The light turned green at the right time, and, well, God's doing something, you know. <laughs> you know, you got a flat tire, and you say, oh, wow, what's, what's happening here? Uh, you, know, you know, it might not be spiritual. 
it might just be that sometimes tires go flat <laughs> because of the world we live in. So uh, we're not going to uh, overly spiritualize everything either, but we can be in the, in the middle of the road. We can be, have a balanced physical life and a spiritual life, and we can be both uh, normal, <laughs> relatable, and spiritual, and powerful, right? And we can, we can do all of these things at once, but we must be intentional, in, <laughs> intentional, <laughs> intentional about living a spiritual life or living life in the Spirit, um, lest we slip back into a completely natural, physical world and a carnal existence. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're drawing attention to different realities of the Spirit so that we can know, hey, I can do this. I can be a spiritual person. I can be totally normal, and I can work my job like, like I have been in the past and have a great family and yet have a spiritual component, which is really the larger component, have a spiritual component to my life that makes me totally different than, you know, the vast majority of people who are just living a natural carnal life. Because at the same time, there's great power associated with this. Let me remind you again of 1 Corinthians 12, 1 from the TPT. It reads, my fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. Don't be confused about them. Or another way to say that is, don't be ignorant about spiritual realities. How many know spiritual realities means spiritual real? <laughs> not, not, well, this is real, then there's that spiritual stuff. No, spiritual things are just as real as, as physical things. But the problem is, is we're unaware of them often. We're ignorant, confused about them, and, and that's, the, that, that's the downside. And so we want to, we want to be well-versed, well-educated in spiritual realities. Now, in the, let me draw your attention to the 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, okay? 1 Corinthians 2.14 reads this way, and you can read the whole chapter and get the context of spiritual and carnal, but it, it reads here, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. All right, now consider that. Who is the natural man? The natural man. Well, that for sure would include all people who are unsaved. All right? People who are not born again. They're spiritually dead, separated from God. Uh, they, go ahead and just leave that up there. Uh, they would be called the natural man. All right? We could also probably include in the natural man uh, carnal Christians. Although they are spiritual, you could say that in a sense, but this whole passage was written to believers, to Christians, and a lot of them were very, very carnal. All right, so he's explaining this. The natural man or the natural side does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So, if I, in other words, if I want spiritual stuff from God, how can I say that a different way? If I want things of the Spirit, because those translate into natural blessings too. If I want things of the Spirit, I must not be a natural man. I must be a spiritual person or I will not be able to recognize, see, lay hold of spiritual things. See, there could be a, 
a distribution of spiritual gifts and blessings and words and direction and all kinds of good things from God in the service today. But the natural man, what happens to, to that person? That's man or woman, you understand. The natural man uh, won't, be able to, won't be able to get them. Some will go like, huh? What? What was that? Someone else is getting totally endowed with power and, and receiving great things from God. The other one says, I don't get it. I'm not getting this. I don't understand that. The natural man doesn't get that stuff. The spiritual person does. For what? It's foolishness to him. It's like, what are you so excited about, man? What are you people even doing here? This is kind of weird. Well, I understand. It's not weird, but to you it is. To the natural person it is. To some of us it used to be. What are you guys crazy? <laughs> What do you think's going on here? You act like there's something here. There is. But I understand when you don't see something, you just don't see it. And when you approach this from a physical standpoint or from a mental standpoint, there's a lot of things you just won't get because God's not a mind. God is a spirit. He said, nor can he know them. You cannot. You can't know them because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. Now notice, he doesn't say here, the natural man God doesn't give things to. He doesn't say God's saying, man, you're just way too stinking carnal. I'm not giving you one thing. <laughs> no. It says the natural man does not receive of the Spirit. And so, it's not saying God doesn't give. God gives all these things to everybody, makes them available to the whole wide world, but the natural person doesn't receive them. I want to make sure I'm receiving. Amen. I want to make sure I'm receiving spiritual stuff from God. Amen. Amen. And so that's why it's important for us to understand when we read words from God, when we read the sayings of Jesus, we read the, you know, writings of prophets and different ones, uh, that we need to understand that those are spiritual words. There, it's just not the same. This is teaching. I'm a teacher. I'm anointed as a teacher. Uh, but this is not the same as the teacher uh, who teaches math. I'm not taking anything away from that. I respect that. Yay. You're awesome in this place. You know. Uh, but it's not the same. It's a different calling. Or, you know, I say math or science or English or, or whatever. Teaching these natural subjects, those things can be learned in a different way. It's a mental learning, all right? When we're talking about understanding God, understanding spiritual realities, it's a different kind of learning. You may have been brilliant in school. I, I say this in a nice way. You may, you may be as bright as they come intellectually and dumb as a rock in here. Serious, that's entirely possible. Or vice versa, you may have been dumb as a rock with math and science and, and so forth, and in here, you see God. And you recognize spiritual things, and, and you can still live a blessed life even if you didn't have a you know, super high IQ. Spiritual things are very real, but the spiritual people are the ones who get them. They recognize them, they partake of, of them and benefit from them. Amen. There's just some things in life, unless you have a spiritual connection, you're in trouble. I mean, I just saw a headline. Maybe it was today. <laughs> Something that came up about some, uh, some billionaire 
who owned some sports team and his helicopter crashed. And they, they said, well, just the headline said they didn't know if, the, if he was even on it. But I don't know. But I, my, my mind immediately went to, so you can be a billionaire. Helicopter crashes affect you the same way as they do the person who's broke. Right? There are certain things that the natural um, success or whatever does not equate to spiritual protection. We need a spiritual connection with God. The Word of God is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual book. It's not written to the head. It's written to our, it's written to our innermost being. It's why some people find the Bible difficult to understand. They're trying to grasp it just using their head. We want to move beyond. Amen. Turn over with me, if you could, would, to the book of John. Just a left turn from where you were. John chapter 6. In the book of John chapter 6, this is an account, a recording of when Jesus was uh, referencing himself and telling people how he was the bread of life. He compared it to when manna was rained down on Israel of the Old Testament in the wilderness and how they had to eat. And then he said, I am the bread of life. And I want you to notice with me verse 53, John 6, 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Ew. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I have, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And so Jesus is given this really different kind of message one day, talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And how many know the natural man listening to that is going, huh? And the natural man still today that reads that and they try to, they try to wrap their human thinking around it don't really get it, don't really understand what he's talking about. Jesus is using uh, analogies that have a spiritual context. But he says these things and people get offended at him. They're like, oh, okay, it's one of those kind of churches. <laughs> Wish I would have looked up a little deeper on the website and found out it's one of those eat the flesh and drink the blood churches. Uh, and a lot of them uh, removed themselves. They went down the road that day. <laughs> and they said, we're not going to that place anymore. They are weirdos over there. Well, was Jesus weird? No. You were hesitant on that. Uh, was, was he weird? No. He was talking about something they didn't understand. He was speaking from a spiritual position. We, we know that. He frequently would do things like that. But, uh, it, you know, they said this is hard and all that. Verse 63, John 6, 63, just a few verses later, he said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. 
That's interesting. So all this analogy of eating his flesh and drinking his blood was obviously not him saying, take a bite, you know. (laughs) But he was talking on a spiritual level, and he was speaking spiritual words. Those words brought life to people. That's what we need. You know, more than you and I need to know something up here, more than I need a greater education up here, and there's nothing wrong with that, but more than I need that is I need life. I need life that cannot, you know, be measured or quantified. It goes beyond my ability to explain it. It is just life. He said, that's what I've come to give you. That's what my words are full of. When I speak, they're spirit words. They're life words. If your spirit can grab a hold of God's spiritual words, they produce life in you. And some things, these are sometimes difficult to explain. Why is it working for you? I don't know. There's life in me. Well, what did you invest in? Well, it's not really about that. It's just like there's life in me and everything I touch works. How how do I write you a recipe for that? What's the formula? Well, what did you say? Well, here's what I said, but I don't know if that's what you should say every time. It just came out of here. There's life in me. It's like there's a, there's, there's a spirit on me. There's a spirit in me, and he's full of life. And, and, and when I follow that, it's really good. Pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about here today. <laughs> that is why these words from God must be received by faith. Coming to church is a faith venture, ought to be. Meaning, I'm not just going to class. I'm not just going to club. I'm not just, I'm going by faith. In other words, there's, there's a belief in me. There's a belief that says, when I speak to him, something happens. When I give my attention to his words, they have a, a profound spiritual effect upon my life that can't not fully be articulated. It can to a degree, but not completely because it's spiritual. Whenever someone has spiritual experiences, uh, for example, for example, uh, Paul, the apostle who wrote a good bit of the New Testament, went to heaven. You read about it in 2 Corinthians 12. He had an experience in heaven, and he came back. One of the things he said about it, he said, I heard stuff I cannot say. I cannot articulate it. I cannot communicate it. I saw some things. There are no words to put it into human language. Spiritual experiences are that way. You say, what was it like? And it was really good. I don't know. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many have have had experiences with God and you thought, wow, that was good. Or you've received blessings from God and you couldn't fully articulate how it happened. It's like, I don't even know where that came from. I I can't even figure out how that worked. But it did. All of a sudden. And some of us are walking examples. I'm one of them. Walking examples of a spiritual connection. Meaning, you want to see me without my spiritual connection? No. You don't. Something has changed me and enabled me to do things I couldn't do naturally. Really. And it is it's a faith venture. I come, and I encourage you, always approach. If you read the Scriptures, if you have time in prayer, get your faith working. 
I'm going, and I'm going to engage with the Spirit of Almighty God. With, I'm going to hear words from heaven. I'm going to receive things and give things. It's a spiritual activity that we are, we are involved in. Amen. Why don't you say this with me? Say, when I hear God's words, I hear God's words. They, move they move me. They change me. They, change me. they, heal, me. they heal me. Even if I can't explain it. God's words work in my life. Amen. Amen. If I take a vitamin, I don't know what that thing's doing. They, well, you need vitamin C. Okay. As long as they taste like candy. <laughs> All right, mine do. <laughs> Did you get those in the kids section? <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. I know some people do. They can explain what, what, how that works. But, uh, you know, I don't know how that works, but if it works, good. You know, if it makes me healthier in some way, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> there was a guy, you know, you've heard of him, uh, a guy named Nicodemus, one day who came to Jesus, and uh, Jesus was walking a spiritual life. This guy was trying to figure everything out in his head. He came sneaking up to Jesus by night so no one would find him. No one would know he, that he's communicating with this controversial figure. And, uh, and he starts saying, you know, Jesus, we know you're the, this is in John chapter 3. We know you're the great teacher and you, no one can do all the things that you do. And Jesus said, you have to be born again. Uh, that wasn't my subject. Um, I really wasn't asking about being born again. But Jesus knew what he needed. He answered this guy was trying to figure things out. He's trying to understand, and Jesus said, you're spiritually dead. Basically. It's John 3, 3. You, we quote it every week. Uh, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot do what? See the kingdom of God. Now, that certainly includes going to heaven. You're not going to heaven without being born again. You're just not. You're spiritually dead, and spiritually dead people don't go to heaven. But that's not exactly, that's not fully or completely what he said there. He said, when you're not born again, you can't see. You can't see what? A spiritual kingdom. That's why some of us say, seriously, what, you don't get this? You don't understand this? It's right here. What's going on? You don't see that? Unless you're born again, you can't see it. So what happens is, you know this, what part of a person is born again? Their spirit is born again. It's not a physical birth, it's a spiritual birth. When your spirit is born again, it comes alive. It, it receives the life of God. It takes on an ability to see. And it opens up a whole new world of understanding. What we don't want to do is dumb down our message to only relate to the carnal mind. You, you understand what I'm talking about? We could give messages here... And I know there's some, some, maybe there's some crossover, I don't know, but we could give messages here that are completely natural. And we could, it could be, you know, a motivational message. It could be, you know, put a smile on our face. Completely natural, though. And it might have a little bit of natural benefit, but it won't ever change a life. And one of my desires is always that, I, I, that I'm saying something that the Spirit of God would give me so that He could change people and sometimes it absolutely does not make sense you, you know for example what sense does it make and i've seen this happen a gazillion times 
is you stand in a service like this, there are believers, uh, there are mature believers, there are new believers, there are carnal people, unbelievers, uh, uh, carnal Christians, there are unbelievers, right? Most likely. I, don't, I didn't survey everyone on the way in. Just going by what you look like. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, people all over the map. But many times I've been in services, and I, I give a teaching, and, and then the Lord gives me uh, what some of you more knowledgeable people of spiritual things know is tongues and interpretation of tongues. Speak in a language that I don't know, <laughs> that you don't know, that God knows, and then give an interpretation of the tongue. I know the brand new person who's never been in church before is going, huh? Or if they've never heard anything like that, they're going, what are they doing? And then right after that, I said, who wants to receive Jesus and be saved? And people come forward. That to me is so cool. Because I just went right past their mind. Their mind is going, this is a little bit different. This is a little bit strange. But something on the inside, the Spirit of God lays hold of them and grabs them and says, you need this. This is real. This is what, what you need to do. Even, even to see an, an evangelist like a Billy Graham, you know, uh, stand in front of a large crowd of people and give a pretty simplistic, not complex message and then say, and Jesus, you know, and in there, of course, Jesus died for your sins and so forth. And would you like to give your life to him? I've met people in our own church that got saved in Billy Graham's uh, crusades. And, uh, and give your life. And then people of all ages, of all financial conditions, of all educations, they raise their hand and they make the trek and their life has changed forever. It's like, how did that do that? How did you convince the PhD over here and you convince the homeless person over here at the same time to give their life to Jesus? And it works. Why? Because his words are spirit, and they are life, and they go beyond sometimes the intellectual and reach us in a way that is un, sometimes unexplainable. Amen. Go over with me to 1 Corinthians 10, if you would. I've got a few more minutes. Let me. I, I'm, I'm trying to draw all of our attention to the realities of the Spirit. The spirit that's within us. The spirit world that we are a part of. 1 Corinthians 10. Instead of seeing everything we do and everything, just from a physical, natural standpoint. I want to wreck you for making just natural decisions too. Well, I decided to quit this job and go, and go take this job. Based on what? Well, that's more pay. That it? Thought you were a Christian. I didn't hear any reference of anything spiritual in that decision whatsoever. Your natural mind only knows so much. You cannot count. You don't know what's going to happen next week. You don't know what's going to happen next year. You can't. As a Christian, you should take advantage of spiritual knowledge. Really. And I want to mess you up for making decisions like that. Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to, I'm a Christian, I'm going to pop around to a different church next week. Why? Well, because I don't like this. I didn't hear anything spiritual out of your mouth. Hallelujah. <laughs> you got Christians who are living carnal lives. They pay no attention to spiritual things. It's all natural. 
I like the lighting there. <laughs> I like the, what about the Spirit of God? What about that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who dwells in you? Think he has anything to say? Spiritual. I'm not stuck in spiritual spooky. We know those people too. <laughs> they blame everything on God. Everything they do. Well, I think the Lord. Well, the Lord didn't. That was, you had pizza. And you had a dream. And it was connected. There's no interpretation of that dream. <laughs> Can we be in the middle of the road? Not a natural life. A spiritual life. In a natural world. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 14. 10, 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Okay, don't worship idols. I speak to wise men. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, okay, it's talking about communion or the, the, the cup that represents the blood of Jesus. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Okay, similar to what Jesus said in John 6, but uh, verse 17. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? You're talking about the priests in the Old Testament. They would eat some of that food that was sacrificed for the forgiveness of their sins. They would actually eat some of it. And they recognized there was a spiritual parallel there. That this had a spiritual significance. Not just, hey, got any leftover food? <laughs> hey, we had communion. Got any of that bread left? I'm kind of... <laughs> no. Verse 19. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to an idol is anything? What's the answer to that? No. These idols, these little statues that people worshipped back then, they're nothing. That's not anything. He said, rather, the things with the, which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. Do you think they knew they were sacrificing to demons? No. They think I'm bowing down and I'm worshiping and sacrificing to this idol, and that represents, or, or that is, in some way, weird way, a God in some, in some form or fashion. Right? But he said, no, what's really happening is they're sacrificing to demons. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? See, what they thought they were doing is, uh, well, even from the Christian standpoint, they would look at this idol worship and this sacrificing of different things to these idols and say, well, we know better now. That idol, it's not a god, it's not anything, that means nothing to me. But he said, what's really happening, even though that stat, little idol, that statue, that thing is nothing, there's actually a demon influence behind it. And when someone worships this god, they are actually worshiping demons. He said, this is why I don't want you to have anything to do with that. This is why I don't want you to have anything to do with that food and this stuff. Because I don't want you to fellowship with demons. And sometimes we don't see life that way. We think, well, what's wrong with doing this? What's wrong with doing that? What's wrong with 
being involved in this natural thing. It, there's nothing to it. I worship God. I, there's nothing to this at all. Okay, maybe there's nothing to that. But by fellowshipping with that thing, could you be entertaining demons and not know it? Could you be, in other words, what I shared with you last week, there's an inspiration behind different activities. There is an inspiration sometimes from God and sometimes from demons, and I know sometimes it's neither. It's the sunset inspired it. You know what I'm saying? And and we might know that, hopefully we know this. You don't mess with, if you're a Christian, you don't mess with things like Ouija boards and tarot cards and... and, uh, you know, mind stuff and numerology and, and uh, you know, palm reading. All I think we should know beyond anyone, you're definitely opening up a door to demonic activity in your life when you do that. If you do do that, repent. Repent of it and throw it away fast. Okay? Because you are, say, it's nothing, it's just a game, man. It's just, it's just having fun. No, it's not. Maybe that was your intention. But you are fellowshipping with demons indirectly. Okay, so I think we, hopefully we know that. If you don't know that, know that. Know that. You're opening the door to the devil. And the Lord doesn't want you flirting. Well, we're still married. You don't mind if I have just a couple of girlfriends. I mean, it's not like I don't love you too. I mean, more. No, when you have one relationship, you cut off all the other relationships, right? There's certain relationships that have to be higher than everything else. And in some cases, you know, you, you end the other ones. <laughs> when it comes to the Lord, you give your heart fully to Him. You cut off, uh, uh, you're cut off your relationship with demons. And I know people don't think of it that way. They don't talk about it that way. I'm going to go, I'm going to the movies today. What are you, what are you, who are you going with? Demons. What do you mean? Well, it's a horror flick, and I figured the spirit of fear would be there. <laughs> and so I'm going to go in there and let the uh, goosebumps come up my arm and jump and, and get all afraid. And you think the Lord's okay with you doing that? Think the Lord's okay with you dating that spirit of fear? Well, I'm not committed, not like I'm marrying the thing. Oh, you're just playing around, huh? I really like this. I really like this song. I like how it makes me feel. And and uh, well, what was the inspiration of that song? Do you ever think about that? Well, I really like this group. I really like this this singer. Okay, great. What inspires him? What inspires her? Well, how do I know? Look at their words. Look at their look at some videos. Look at their concerts. See what they do. See if it's a sex show or see if it's a you know drug infested thing or uh, huh. You can see what spirit inspires them. You can see if it's, you know, edifying and beneficial and glorifying God and helping people. You can see what spirit inspires stuff. If it's the wrong spirit, say, I don't like that group anymore. That's what we, that's what we do. We say, Lord, I, I've given my life to you. And so I'm going to do things that please you. I don't want to do things that edify me and edify people around me. I'm not going to fellowship with demons anymore. I'm not going to be such a carnal Christian that I see everything natural and just explain it from a natural side.
Amen. I know there's a lot, a lot of people uh, talking about, man, have I been preaching too long already? Uh, you know, a lot of people talking about the, the innocence of, of drugs and stuff these days, especially marijuana. And well, What spirit does that open you up to? Well, I just get really close to God when I, when I, when I s- smoke this. Listen, I, people say that kind of stuff. I'm just really open. I smoke and I pray. Dude, you're opening yourself up to the wrong spirit when you do that. That's not the way the Lord led us. He told us uh, to be filled with the Spirit instead of that stuff. The analogy in Scripture is not marijuana, but it's, 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 it's another natural from the earth substance called grape juice. Fermented wine. He said, Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't get your buzz this way. Get it this way. And people are carnal, so they substitute. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it makes me feel good. What can be wrong with that? I'm not hurting it. It depends if you're a carnal person or a spiritual person. You're saying if you get really spiritual, you're not going to get any experiences with God that elevate your life and your mood and your outlook. If we really have a connection with him, we will have those experiences. And there's no compromise in the middle of them. There's no leading people astray. There's no car wreck, at the car wreck at the end of it either. Or abuse or anything else. Hallelujah. God is good. The Lord wants us to be aware. He wants us to know what's really going on. And we don't have to see it to know it. You can have a spiritual life, a spiritual awareness. Think about it with your entertainment. Think about it in the places you go. What spirits are we associating with here? Amen. And give yourself to the right spirit and your eyes will open more. Give yourself and things from God will come to you that he has given, that you have, uh, you know, you didn't even know about. But they're, they've been given to him before, but now your spiritual eyes are ready to, to see him, acknowledge him, and receive them. Amen. Father, thank you for working in our lives today.